From Press Communications, LLC, this is Jersey Shore Matters with Diane de Oliveira. Bullying reached its highest level in New Jersey schools during the 2021-22 school year, and members of the state's anti-bullying task force have been working on ways to curb the issue. Joining me today is Pat Wright, a former chair and current member of the New Jersey Anti-Bullying Task Force. Welcome to the show, Pat. Hi, thank you for having me. The anti-bullying task force had until the end of 2023 to make recommendations to the state legislature and Governor Phil Murphy. Can you detail some of those recommendations? The number one recommendation um, we have is funding. Um, as you might know, um, and this this came up in the last task force, the previous task force that I chaired was a three-year task force. So I do want to note that. That was three years where we studied implementation of this law, where this task force only had six months to do so. But one of the things I want to say is that in the last task force and in this task force, we really need to address funding. As the legislature has worked on uh, honing the legislation and the requirements for schools, there has been zero funding uh, available for schools for the positions that are needed in terms of making sure that this law is implemented the the best that it can possibly be and the programs that are needed to support um, to support students so um, as you might remember um, in the christie era there was a um, bullying prevention fund created within the law and that bullying prevention fund was only funded one year it has never been funded again And that year, it was a million dollars. And if you take 600 and some school districts and (laughs) divide into a million dollars, some schools got, you know, $50 or, you know, whatever. Um, And we really think that schools need um, more training, more resources, and um, they need funding to support them. Pat, you said a million dollars during the Christie year. How much more funding? It's got to be more than that now, all these years later. How much is Zero. needed? I mean, how, oh, much, how much more are needed? You... Yeah, we, we did not um, give a number. We think that there should be conversations with legislatures, le- legislators around that um, as budget season approaches and the governor's office um, to determine, and, and, and also the Department of Education, to determine an amount that would be, um, you know, feasible in terms of the requirements of the law. The other recommendation that we feel is extremely important is the focus, and this recommendation also was in the last task force, the focus on school climate improvement, right? So the law is quite prescriptive um, around the 10-day investigation and, um, you know, the need for an anti-bullying specialist, anti-bullying coordinator, and that is all good. We, We know that schools need to be responsible for, for students during that school day, and it's important for those roles to exist. However, what's also important is the role of that school climate team, right? And the law um, said that the school climate team should develop, foster, and maintain a positive school climate, right, um, Using and looking at the systemic processes and practices in the school uh, to address issues such as HIV. But school climate is a big concept and that team is so important in really looking at the overall school climate and the goal is to create the type of school climate where bullying hiv is least likely to occur right and that requires ongoing looking at school climate data 
developing school climate improvement plans, and really following up to, to, that is the proactive part of this law, right? Not the reactive part. Uh, yeah, I was, that was my next question. I was going to mm-hmm. say, is it that school districts react after there's been an incident instead of being more proactive and, and trying to change the culture? Um, yeah, I think, I think that there are schools who are doing a great job in, in, with school climate teams, I happen to do work with school climate teams across the state, and I know that there are a lot of school climate teams operating in turn. Actually, that's the training I'm doing today. But we really need to set a process that shows these teams how you improve climate over time, right? Using school climate data, what does that look like, and how, what, what types of things do you put in place in the school? Again, this requires resources. It requires training. Um, and I think we think as a task force that that really needs to be a big focus in schools right now. So, Pat, what are some examples of that? Uh, how can districts or how are ones that are already doing this turning mm-hmm. the climate around and making the atmosphere more positive? OK, so what they're doing is they're doing um, school climate surveys um, and that can consist of surveying teachers, uh, students. Uh, the community, parents and guardians, um, and really trying to find out where their strengths are in terms of school climate and where there are areas of concern. And then really formulating a plan um, that, that addresses those areas of concern, putting things in place and monitoring whether or not those things are successful over time. And that's how you improve climate over time, right? Because climate doesn't change overnight. Uh, school climate is something that, um, that, that you have to work on year after year. Um, so how, how many schools are looking at now after the pandemic, right? After the pandemic, we saw that students um, lacked a lot of the pro-social skills, um, SEL skills, social-emotional learning skills, Um, because they had been away from each other and not in groups and interacting in the way they needed to interact in school. So many school climate teams really focused on resetting the norms in schools, reestablishing how do we deal with conflict in the school? What is bullying? What is normal conflict? What do we do in a bullying situation? What do we do to solve normal conflict, everyday conflict that occurs within our building? How are we supposed to behave uh, when we're dealing with conflict? Um, all of those things have to be reset, the expectations for students, right? And they had to be reset after the pandemic as we came back together. So a lot of schools have been working on that and establishing more positive relationships. The other piece is creating an inclusive environment, right, where all students are welcome and all students, uh, no matter race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, whatever, are accepted within the school. Pat, that brings me to my next point. I want to bring up two other issues. I just want to remind our listeners, this is Jersey Shore Matters. I'm your host, Diane DeOliveira, and I'm speaking with Pat Wright. She's the former chair and a current member of the New Jersey Anti-Bullying Task Force. Uh, You mentioned inclusion. I want to just mention... With these transgender policies now, some districts don't want parents to be notified if their child wants to be identified or not be identified by his or her pronoun um, or separate bathrooms, changing areas, things like that. Is that further creating a divide because of these policies? 
Uh, I don't know if the policies are creating a divide. I think the lack of communication around why these things are important for students and how they make for a more inclusive environment for these students, I think we need to have better communication around that. I will tell you that one of the things that I saw from doing, uh, from chairing the anti-bullying task force for three years and then being on this task force is that the major difference Right? And, and the major difference between what schools are experiencing then and what schools are experiencing now is the whole climate of our country. It is divisive. We have politicians. We have, um, we have uh, people who are um, really modeling uh, bullying, inappropriate behavior, etc. cetera. Um, that's one big change, right? We have, I know parents are upset. Um, about some policies, but going to school boards or screaming at school boards, et cetera, et cetera. I understand the frustration, but we have to remember that we're modeling for students. So, ha- so, so we all have a responsibility in our communities to model appropriate communication skills for students and to, and to show them that, you know, bullying is not the way um, to, to get our way, that we, that we need to listen to one another, right? So I think that that climate of the overall country has had an impact um, on, on, on HIV. The other thing I think has had a huge impact on HIV is the social media. That was my next thing. Yes, I was going yeah. to ask you about that as well. Social media, tremendous impact on schools. Yeah, because, I mean, we can say and do whatever we want pretty much without consequences. And to students, Mm -hmm. you know, it has to be regulated. I know schools do have some policies with cell phones and things like that, but you can't be with a kid 24-7. And then when they're not at school and if they post something, what control does the district have? Yes. So you know that the district must address issues of HIV that occur off grounds, right, off school grounds because they can be having a substantial disruption um, to the educational process. So if something, somebody posts something horrible over the weekend and it goes to all the kids in the school and someone is targeted, right, they have to address that, right? What becomes very difficult is that, the, you know, we heard from administrators who are spending hours, right, contacting social media platforms to find out, what IP address was used, if it is indeed this person sending that, that, uh, that social media post, et cetera, right? So they become investigators of, of the social media platforms, and um, it, it becomes very extremely complicated, right? So many schools have, have um, they, they have no cell phone use policies within their schools, right? But we can't, we can't control what happens on the weekends or outside of school on social media. So I know there is a, currently a commission that has been put together by the governor uh, and legislature to look at social media. As the anti-bullying task force said in its report, we urge them to look at the impact social media is having on our students and particularly in the area of HIV. Um, and I know a lot of legislators are looking at laws um, around social media platforms, but we together collectively need to figure out as legislators, uh, school leaders, how we're going to deal with this issue. 
um, because it certainly is complicating everything. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you mentioned there's commissions, there's task force. Everyone's discussing this. When will some mm-hmm. concrete answers uh, be formulated or presented? Yes, I hope that our report was just a small, again, it was only a six-month report. So there are other things within that report, but there's, it's, we only met for six months. I'm hoping it's an impetus to have us sit down together with legislators, um, school educational associations, uh, parent associations, um, community organizations to start really grappling with the real issues around this law. Um, because, um, you know, we're even hearing that the law itself is sometimes being weaponized in schools. (laughs) So, you know, like if, if, if somebody's having a problem with somebody else and then they report that they're bullying, you know, it's, it's, it really is when you think about the time and, 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 and don't get me wrong, schools need to spend the time investigating and doing this properly right but you can see what is happening with social media layered on top of this how many incidents again that um that are undergoing this um investigatory process when you look at the incidents of bullying we've we've been seeing a rise is that rise because of the availability of social media that we didn't have years before or is it again also because of the climate just in society and what we're seeing what happens every day in the world? Yeah, I think it's both causes. I think, I think that, first of all, I think the pandemic, number one, um, when students came back, there were more mental health issues. There were also issues around uh, students lacking um, some social-emotional learning skills that are necessary to, to deal cooperatively with others within the school setting, right? So all of that had to be reset. Um, then you have social media, and then you have the overall climate of people screaming at each other and um, disagreeing and, and just not, um, and, 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 and that kind of uh, lack of civility in places, right? If we don't think that that impacts our students who are watching, um, we have, you know, that's a problem because it does impact them. And we're modeling for them. And we all have to remember in all of our communities that as adults, we are modeling for our students. And what is it that we want to model? Pat, we are just about out of time. Would you like to share any final thoughts? No, I want to thank you for uh, allowing me to share with you this morning. And uh, again, um, my final thought is as far as uh, schools go is to really uh, put a lot of a lot of effort into that proactive approach to improving school climate and creating the types of climate where HIV is least likely to occur. Pat Wright, a member and former chair of the New Jersey Anti-Bullying Task Force. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can hear Jersey Shore Matters with Diane D'Oliveira every Sunday morning on Press Communications, LLC.